Thank you, praise team. Let's give the Lord a big hand right now, would you? Thank you for being here today. Glad you're in the Lord's house. Welcome to everyone. I want to say a special welcome to those here today from Conway. The Christian Student Fellowship is with us right here. Y'all got to stand up, would you? If you're with CSF, stand up. Good deal. Oh, uh, Good deal. Glad y'all are here. Wonderful. You can be seated. We're praying for y'all. Uh, they are a Christian student fellowship gathering that meets on the campus of UCA, and they share the good news of Jesus. They're going off to Denton, Texas. You know the best thing about Denton? It's in Texas, all right? <laughs> they get to go to Texas and spend an entire week there for training, and uh, we're privileged that they're in our church today. Give them another big hand for being here. Glad that they're here. Glad you're here. Wow. You know, it is hot outside, right? How about a big amen about the heat? Wow. I told the first service, you know, uh, Nathan gave the little intro and talked about uh, it being hot. I thought, man, this would be a great Sunday to preach on hell, you know? <laughs> Just go out in the parking lot and sit for a little bit. You wouldn't want to go there. So, uh, but we're not. We're going to be in Luke chapter 12 today. I'm doing a short sermon series in the summer on the parables that Jesus spoke in the Gospel of Luke, and we've been looking at a few of these parables. Now, when you hear the word parable, you understand it's, it's a life story. Jesus is taking a, a spiritual truth and relating it in a story that, that everyone who listened to him would be able to understand. And when we hear the word parable today, we think, oh, what? that's just a sweet little story Jesus told. You know, that's a sweet little bedtime story we can tell our kids. But let me tell you, it's far from being a sweet little story. When Jesus spoke parables, he, he was getting into the grill of the people who were listening to him. He was challenging them. And these parables challenge us today. And we're going to look at one in Luke chapter 12 that has to do with money. <laughs> in fact, we're going to be talking on Breaking the grip of greed in your life. And believe it or not, in the Gospels, Jesus spoke more about material things. He spoke more about money and possessions than he did any other thing. Jesus never shied away from challenging us about our possessions and our prosperity. You see, money can either be hazardous to you, or it can be helpful to you. It can either diminish your soul, or it can develop your soul. And that is true whether you're a prime timer with a huge stock portfolio, or a young college student living on a part-time job. Come on, everybody. You know what I'm talking about. Money is important because we trade it for what we value. Think about that. Money is important because we trade it for what is important to us. So our money moves with our heart. And so what you do with your money is really a snapshot or a picture of your heart. And that's what Jesus means later on when he spoke these words, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your money goes your heart is going. The way we spend our money reveals a whole lot about what we think about life. Somebody told me years ago, Will, show me your calendar and your checkbook, and I can tell you what's important in your life. You know, that, that is true even still today. 
You show me your calendar or your checkbook, and I can tell you what is important to you. Now, what complicates all of this is this powerful word Jesus uses in our story that I think we've all experienced in our life, and it's this concept of greed. Well, that just sounds like a bad word, doesn't it? Y'all say it with me out loud on three. One, two, three. Well, it just sounds like a dirty word. In fact, it almost leaves a bitter taste on the end of your tongue. And you're wondering, well, well preacher, what does, what does greed look like? Well, Jesus does a masterful job in painting a picture through a life story about exactly what greed looks like in Luke chapter 12. So are you ready for this parable? Uh, let's read it together. Luke chapter 12, we're going to start reading in verse number 13. Here it is on the big screen. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother, and that's not a brother in Christ, that was a physical brother, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of, there's that word again, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And so he told them this parable, or this life story. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and I will build bigger barns. And there I will store my surplus of grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, be merry, have a party. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then, who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but they are not rich towards God. And Heavenly Father, I pray right now that as I try to speak this word of truth on the outside, that you would speak it into our hearts. Lord, teach us about greed today and how we can break the grip of greed in our own lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the Bible tells us that covetousness, which is just another word for greed, is nothing more than idolatry. So, what Jesus is talking about in this story, this greed, is really idolatry. And idolatry is who or what you worship in your life. And so what we're going to see in this, this story, this parable, is what I'm calling the 3D formula. All right? Here's the 3D formula. Desires lead to decisions, which ultimately leads to a life destiny. And here's how it works. These desires are born in our heart. And then with our mind, we make a decision of what the course of our life is going to be. And that becomes our destiny. So greedy desires are going to lead you to make foolish decisions, which will then lead to a very dreadful destiny. On the other hand, 
Godly desires are going to lead you to make wise decisions which will lead to a prosperous destiny. The three Ds. Let's learn about them today. The first one is desires. And specifically, what Jesus is talking about in this passage, the desire of greed. Now, here's the context. Verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother over there to divide the family inheritance with me. And so in this story, Jesus is approached with a very strange request to help settle this dispute over a family inheritance. But Jesus really, he didn't want anything to do with this. And so here is his response in verse 14. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? So let's go back into the context of this. Jesus was a teacher or a rabbi. He was a student and a teacher of the law. And so many times these rabbis, like Jesus was, was frequently expected to arbitrate legal matters like this one we have in our scripture passage today. But but Jesus wanted no part of it. Jesus knew that there is no way that this legal issue could be settled even in a courtroom because that's really not what the issue was. It wasn't a legal issue that needed to be settled by a rabbi or a judge. This was a spiritual issue, and it could only be settled in this man's heart. Jesus understood what was fueling this dispute between these two brothers. It was this sinful desire that Jesus later called greed. Did you know that family feuds often erupt over how an inheritance is split up? Okay, only three of us understand that. How many of us understand that? I mean, it really happens. I I know families that have literally split up over the greed of inheritance. And you know what they say, where there is a will, there is a family fighting over it. It reminds me of the old man who, who was losing his hearing, and his family was constantly harping on him to go get hearing aids. And uh, he just refused to do it. He, he didn't think he needed them. But finally, you know, he kind of came to the decision on his own. Well, I'll, I'll go investigate and I'll look into it. So without telling anybody in his family, he went to the doctor. They did all the tests. Sure enough, he couldn't hear a lick. And so the doctor sold him or gave him some very small micro hearing aids that you couldn't even see in your ear. And, and he went back home and, and everything was great. Three weeks later, he went back for a follow-up visit. And the, the doc said, hey, hey, how's it going? Can you hear he said, dude, I'm, I'm hearing things I haven't heard in years. In fact, I'm hearing whispered conversations in the next room. These things are amazing. And then the doctor said, well, what does your family think about them? And he said, oh, I haven't told my family. But I have changed my will four times. Right? There you go, man. Greed is a powerful desire that grows in the human heart. It will cause people to do things that are absolutely unthinkable. And that's why Jesus said in verse 15, watch out. And he was talking to the crowd, but he's also talking to you. He says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. 
A man's life does not consist in the abundance of what he possesses. Greed is this unquenchable thirst that we get in our heart and it just says more, more. More. I got to have more. Give me more. I want more money. I want more stuff. And no matter how much more you get, it's never enough. Greed is destructive. I'm not going to go until somebody says amen. amen. How do I know that? Well, because Jesus said that. Jesus said, be on your guard. And it implies that there is something very harmful that we need to protect ourselves from. Greed is an enemy of your soul. So, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, we are to guard our soul against greed. Not only is greed destructive, greed is diverse. You say, well... That's a strange way to describe greed. It it is, though. Jesus said, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. There's the greed that is fueled by an ambition to impress other people. And I really think for most of us, that's that's where we fall into the trap. We want to impress other people. That's why on your high school anniversary, you know, when you have high school homecoming and everybody gets back together, you'll go out and borrow a whole bunch of money just to buy a cool car to ride up in. (laughs) Because you want to impress other people. There's the greed that is fueled by this need for self-esteem and the security that we think we have when we have a lot of stuff in our closet. There's the greed that is fueled by the love of pleasure that the stuff of this world can give us. There's all kinds of greed. But also notice that greed is deceptive. It can sneak up on us. In another parable, Jesus talked about the deceptiveness, the deceitfulness of riches. And by that, he meant there is a subtlety about the temptation that comes into our life. When we least expect it, there it is, knocking on the door of our heart, and it just kind of slithers its way in. Greed's bad. Yeah? Greed's bad. I don't know if you can see that up in the balcony, what I got in my hand. Can y'all see this in the balcony? Anybody see? It's money. Do you know how much it is? Oh, sorry. What is it, Zane? Zane knew exactly what it was. Way to go, buddy. He saw the face on it. Yeah, college kid. <laughs> Hundred bucks. Have you, have you ever heard the term money talks? If you've heard that phrase, raise your hand. Money talks. Did you know it's true? Sadly, it's true. Money talks. If you have enough of these, you can get just about anything you want. Literally. You want the best seats at the Super Bowl? Dude, you got enough of these. Money talks. Money talks. Money talks. If you've got enough, you can have it because it talks. Now, here's the problem. Sometimes... Sometimes it talks to us. It whispers to us. And it says, (laughs) I feel kind of silly doing this, but you need me. 
You want me. You've got to have me. And if you have enough of me, your life's going to be great. You're going to have everything you want. You'll be happy. Just make sure you do whatever it takes to get me. Right? Isn't that what it says? Has it been whispering to y'all lately? It was whispering to this man in our story. He was willing to fight his brother for the greed of money. But Jesus counters that. Jesus says, no, it's a lie. Don't believe what money whispers in your ear. How do I know that? Verse 15b, Jesus said, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. No matter how much you have, this is all fading. It's going away. It's not worth anything because it won't last time. There's something more important. So here's what I got to say to you. Listen up. Life is not about having things. Life is about having God. Life is about a relationship with Jesus Christ, knowing Him as your personal Savior. That's what life really is about. But you know what? Desires don't stop with desires. Desires always lead to decisions. Evil desires lead to foolish decisions. Godly desires lead to wise decisions. And this is where Jesus lays down a parable to this principle that he's talking about. It shows us how desires we have drive the decisions that we ultimately make. Verse number 16, Jesus told them this life story. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. Now, here's what I want you to notice. What is it that is producing a good crop? What produced the good crop? It was the ground. It was the ground. They had a great spring. It was, it was a wonderful summer. All the rains came at just the exact right time. And because of that, it was a bumper crop. The ground produced a great crop. There was just a, a wonderful season of growing. And here he has this great crop. The good crop ultimately was a gift from God. I mean, that's who blessed the ground. God did, but that never entered into this man's mind. Now, I want to tell you, the bad in this parable is not that he had a good year. Nothing wrong with that. And the bad in your life is not that good things happen to you. Jesus isn't saying that here. It's not bad to get a good job. <laughs> Come on, people. It's not bad to get a raise. It's not bad to be blessed by God. It's not bad to have a big savings that you can retire on. I mean, that's not what this story is all about. It, it's not bad. God is giving him something that is good. Where the bad comes in is verse 17. It's right here. He thought to himself. All right, there's the problem. What shall I do? I have no place to store all of these crops that I have 
produced. He thought to himself. He is in the process of making a decision about how he is going to handle his prosperity. And what will he do with what he now has? But as this man talks to himself, his heart is filled with selfishness and ego and pride. I counted 11 personal pronouns in his little self-talk that he gave to himself. And he's stepping out on some slippery slopes. His pride and his selfishness is giving way to this self-indulgent decision that he is about to make. Verse 18. Then he said, here's what I'll do. I'm going to tear down my barns and I will build bigger barns. And there I will store all of my grain and all of my goods. Look at me. The circle of this man's life was immediately reduced to a dot. Think about it. The circle of his life just stopped and it became a dot. Why? All he's thinking about is himself. Never one time did the thought even enter into his mind. Wow, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for this blessing you've given to me. This is huge. Thank you, God. Now, God, you tell me, how can I take the blessing that you've just poured on my life and bless other people with it? That never entered his mind. He never thought to himself, you know, how can I bless the kingdom of God? Or how in the world can I bless poor people? No, this is what he said to himself, verse 19. You have plenty of good things laid up for many years, so take it easy. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, get behind me, Satan. Take life easy, he said. Eat, drink, and be merry. You know, it's, it's not just the man built bigger and better. It's that he was depending on this bigger and better to bring him happiness in his life. It, it, it's not that he just built bigger barns to store all this stuff. It's the fact he was counting on all of this stuff in the barn to bring him fulfillment and joy and happiness in life. Really, ultimately, what he is saying is this. I value, I treasure the stuff that this can buy for me. And this has become my God. This has become the most important thing in my life. What's in those barns? Because I'm depending on the stuff in those barns bring happiness to my life. And the words of Jesus are still ringing in our ears. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of what he possesses. So the man's greedy desires led to a foolish decision, which ultimately led to a fatal destiny. Because remember the three Ds. Desires lead to decisions. Decisions ultimately outline a destiny. And in this case, this man's destiny is not a good one. <laughs> in fact, it is the worst imaginable destiny that anyone could have. Verse 20. But God said to him, 
you fool. Look at me. It ain't good if God says to you, you fool. This very night, your life is going to be demanded from you. Then, who's going to get what you've stored away? We're talking here about the ultimate failure in life. I know people living under the illusion that they are successful. No, very successful. But you know what? They're being deceived. They're really a failure because they have failed to invest in the right things. This man in our story lived without God. This man died without God. And this man would spend eternity without God. You know what that spells? Hell. This man's in hell. And for each one of us, one day our lives will be demanded of us. Our earthly lives are going to be forfeited. One day we're going to die. And then what? Well, verse 21, Jesus says, This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. So I'm going to just say this to you. I mean, I'm, I'm not being facetious one bit. I'm going to say, you want to go for the gusto? You, you want to have all the pleasures of this world? You want to love this world more than anything else? You want to put all of your, all of your hope, all of your love in this right here? You can do that. God has given you a free will. You you can choose to do anything you want to. But there is a price to be paid for it. You're going to die in poverty. Because you can't take any of this with you. No, when our last breath is taken, what we need is to have invested fully in God. What we need is to be rich towards God. You want to say, well, what, preacher, what does that mean? How, how can I be rich towards God? Well, 1 Timothy tells us, 1 Timothy chapter 6. It says, command them to do good. Okay? So I'm commanding you, do good. To be rich in what? Good deeds. And to be generous and willing to share. Now, I've got to do a, a little step back and a quick time out and remind you Just doing good and giving and being a nice person is not going to get you into heaven. You can never be good enough. You can't buy your way into heaven. You can't give your way into heaven. Jesus said there's only one way to the Father, and I am the way. Jesus said I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody is going to make it to heaven except through me. So it takes a personal relationship with Jesus for you to get into heaven. But here's the deal. Once you give your heart to Jesus, once your life is transformed by his power and his grace, everything inside of you changes. And no longer are you conformed to the standards of this world. You are being transformed by the power of God. And so this takes on a whole new meaning in your mind. Your life isn't just about this. 
It's about serving God and loving God. And so, you know what? If he blesses you with this, you do what this passage says. You become generous. You become willing to share. Verse 19 says, In this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, for eternity, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. That's the real world. Eternity's the real world. And so when you do what this passage says, when you give your heart to Jesus and you love Jesus more than anything in this world and your heart's desire is to please God with your life, everything inside of you changes. And so you are no longer bound with the cares of this world. You understand that God has blessed you and given you what you have because he's a good God and he's taking care of you. But it's not yours. And you're not depending on this stuff in this world to bring you happiness. And so, you know, when you have that mindset about material things, who cares, man? Really, who cares? God gave it to me, so why can't I use it to bless somebody else? I'm not going to take it with me. Am I? And so you know what? Here's what you do. You can give it away. You just, you just give it away, man. You just give it away. You just give it away. I got to give it to him. Because <laughs> he's going to need it. Yeah, okay, that's pretty cool. Here's the deal. Listen to this. I'll just tell you a little story. It doesn't mean anything, but... We have direct deposit now it, 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 for our pay here at the church. And so I don't go to my bank every week and make the deposit like I've done for the past 22 years. It's done for me. The only time I go to the bank now <laughs> is when I'm taking money out of my account and putting it in one of the college kids' accounts, Cal, Cali or Zane. And all the tellers know me because I've been going there 22 years. And, and they, when they see me now, here's what they'll say. They'll just laugh. I mean, it's funny. They just laugh and they said, one or two. Or which one are we putting money into their account today? Is it going to be? They know their names, Callie. And say, they can pull it all up without any numbers. They know. They great. Love you, buddy. Love you, buddy. No, honestly, you take that and you be a blessing to your team this week. Buy them an ice cream. How's that? Y'all hold him accountable to that, okay? But do you get what I'm putting down? The things of this world don't own you. They don't control you. Jesus does. And that's the point of the parable. Break the grip of greed in your life. You do that by being rich toward God. Now, now I'm about to quit, but I'm going to throw five things out at you. Five ways you do this. It's taken me 30 minutes to give you three points. I'm going to give you five application points in four minutes. You ready? Yes. We're not going on until everybody's ready. Yes. Are you ready? Yes. Here they are. Number one, you become rich towards God when you seek and you treasure Jesus Christ every single day. Jesus becomes the most important relationship in your life. 
Philippians 3.8, Paul said, What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, and I consider them but rubbish or dung that I may have Christ. Man, that's bold. Paul said the things of this world are junk, they're rubbish, they're dung compared to knowing Jesus Christ. So I seek and I treasure Jesus. That means I'm spending time with Jesus every day. I'm reading his word, I'm praying, I'm worshiping him. Why? Because he's first place in my life. How to be rich toward God, number two. Guard your heart against materialism. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And remember in this story, Jesus said to be on guard against greed and materialism. It can so capture our hearts. So be on guard. Number three, pray about and trust God for every need that you have in your life. You know, you don't have to be rich to worry about greed and materialism. Greed can conquer your soul even if your bank account is at zero. How? Well, it happens when we do not trust God to supply our needs and instead we worry about it. Anybody home? Ring-a-ling-ding. Philippians 4.19, and my God. Can I tell you something? He's my God. My God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Jesus Christ. Don't worry. Trust. He's never forsaken us. He's never let us down. And he won't. Number four, I become rich towards God when I give habitually and I give cheerfully. If, if there is one word right now that I could use to describe God... I would have to say holy, all right? But for my purpose, I would have to say he's giving. Our God's a giving God. Great, most famous verse in the Bible, for God so loved the world, he, he gave. God, God is the king of giving. He knows how to give. And, and when you become a Christian, you take on his nature. And for some of you, it's hard, right? I mean, let's be honest. For some of you, it's hard to give. Why? Because you've adopted the philosophy of the world. I've worked for this. It's mine. I don't want to give it. But to be like God, you got to give. Now, within the confines and context of the church, you understand that the tithe already belongs to God. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul is talking about giving. He says, on the first day of the week, you set aside what you're supposed to give. You set it aside and you give it. Okay? So that's the tithe. And as a believer, you know, I'm required to give the tithe. And I could preach a whole message about just the tithe. I mean, it, that's a remarkable thing, man. It blows my mind. How, how, can, how can I give God 10% and then live abundantly on the 90%? I don't know how it works, but it works, dude. I mean, it works. And I challenge you to, to practice tithing, but beyond that, there's grace giving that goes along with it. Above the tithe. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each man should give what God has, has, uh, or what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
And so when you give out of the abundance and you give cheerfully, I'm telling you what, it changes your attitude and your perspective. And let me just go one step beyond this. As I've read the Bible and studied the Bible, I really don't think it was, it was God's intention for our government to support those who really have needs in their life. And I'm talking about people who really have needs. You, you know who's been given that task? We have. The church. And so if you see someone out there in need and you know it's a legitimate need, you need to be willing to, to give to help them. Say, God, how, how can I best help this person? And whatever the Lord tells you, that's what you need to do. And let me tell you, you can break the grip of greed in your life just by learning how to give. You don't like what I'm saying, so I'm going to move on. (laughs) Number five, I think we could all do better by placing boundaries on our consumption of greed. As Americans, we live in a materialistic culture, do we not? And as we're watching television or or surfing through the internet, we are constantly bombarded with the fact that if we don't have this newest thing, this newest technology, our life somehow is is not quite up to snuff with everybody else's. So we gotta have it. And that greed starts growing in our soul, doesn't it, Jason? We want it, man. I gotta have that. Hey, do do, do y'all understand that's how business works, man? You, you build a new phone, Apple builds a new phone, and, and everybody buys it. Well, what are they going to do to keep making money? they got, they got to build another phone. A year later, oh, the new improved. Model number 74. We're not there yet, but it's coming, you know? And, and, and even though it's really not that much different, we got to have it. Why? Because it's the new thing. Am I talking to you? Because, dude, I'm talking to myself. You know, I'm, 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 I'm living, I don't, Angie, close your ears. I'm living that struggle, you know. I know I got one SKB 100. Y'all know what an SKB is, don't you? Double barrel shotgun using cowboy action shooting. Been slicked up by Fast Eddie out of Atlanta, Georgia. Fastest thing out there, man. Anyway. Greed. I don't need that, do I, baby? It would be a good gift for my birthday, though. Anyway. But you know what? That, it, it just, it, it, when is enough enough? I'm being serious. When is enough enough? I love what Hebrews 13.5 says, and it always, man, I read this verse, and it just, it, it tears me up, baby. It humbles me on the inside because it says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And in this way, we exchange our earthly riches for heavenly riches. And we become rich towards God. So here's my word for you. I'm about to shut up, so listen. Don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. Because one day, sooner than later, you're going to die. Your life is going to be required of you. And you know what is going to matter on that day when you stand before God? 
The only thing that matters, do you have treasures in heaven? Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Are you rich towards God? Heavenly Father,